This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment, legal and tax advice. All opinions expressed by myself and the guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect that of Mahoney Asset Management and Newbridge Securities. Hello and welcome to Gen Z and Friends. I am your host Ben Phillips and today we have a very special guest joining us from the world of finance here in New York City, Liana Hawkins. Liana is the founder of Blackhawk Financial, author of Amazon's number one bestseller, Young, Fun and Financially Free and a regular guest on CNBC and Bloomberg. Liana is a true advocate for women in finance and an expert in financial literacy, money media and marketing. So if you're in the car, walking the dog, at the gym, doing a few chores or simply chilling with your feet up, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Liana Hawkins. Liana, welcome to Gen Z and Friends. True privilege to have you joining us today. Uh, I'll dive right into it. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself so the listeners can get a grip on your background and career thus far? and maybe a few hobbies outside of finance and investing that have kept you busy recently? Yeah, so I have been um, working in finance, mostly in the alternative space, which is considered hedge funds, private equity, and venture capitalism for the most part. Now there's sort of crypto and NFTs and digital assets and alternative data and all these things that are sort of coming in in the last couple of years into the alternatives world. But I've been in investor relations, marketing, relationship management, business development. So all of the relationship and investor-based roles within those fields of alternative finance. And I've worked in Canada, London, um, France, the US, and, and I now live in New York City. So I've been in New York for a couple of years and working for myself, doing consulting in all those areas for the last eight years or so. Um, so it's been really fun. I'm just lucky. I'm, unlike a lot of young people, I am really blessed and lucky that I was interested in finance, interested in investing in money as a young person in high school and then throughout college. So I consider myself lucky because not a lot of people are actually interested in those things. Um, particularly a lot of my girlfriends, young women are not that necessarily interested in, in money and guys aren't either. But I think it's it can be harder for women sometimes to get interested So I I do consider myself very lucky that I was just wanting to watch CNBC and Bloomberg when I was young and learn stuff. And that made it a lot easier for me to be financially free um, in my now in my 30s. Um, And that's why I wrote my book, Young, Fun and Financially Free. Mm -hmm. It came out a few years ago. It's on Amazon and in 40,000 bookstores worldwide, um, because a lot of young people struggle with figuring out how to be financially independent, how to start investing and how to properly spend, save, earn your money, asking for a raise, all of those sort of adulting things we go through early on in our careers. And that's why I read the book and all the money goes to um, a charity, which is great, the Wee Foundation. And um, my hobbies outside of finance and investing, I grew up ski racing. I grew up in Vancouver, Canada. So Whistler and ski racing was a big part of my life. And I think, I think sports and athletics and learning how to win and lose and train with the team and have a coach and being very diligent with that as a young child into my um, high school and college years, I think really set me up well for the tough world of finance. Um, 
I also did modeling and acting growing up too, going into my late twenties. And that also helped me because there's a lot of rejection in that industry as well. <laughs> and you learn how to deal with rejection and people being very critical of you um, physically and the way you speak. And I think actually a lot of all those things combined really set me up for a great career in relationship management and finance, which is a pretty tough world. So those are some of the, I still enjoy fashion. I still enjoy sports and being really athletic. Um, and that's sort of a roundabout about me and my, no, I love it. my business. So. No, 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 I love it. Well, yeah, thanks for sharing. Uh, we'll talk about how much of an advocate you are for women in finance and empowering that kind of uh, genre later on. Um, and then we'll talk about the book as well. So I, I know you've created the Wealth Society, the W-E-L-L-T-H uh, and Wealthy Mindset, for anybody listening, is the basis of kind of Liana's book. Uh, now for the Gen Z community, who we kind of our audience here, I think the context would, would really resonate as, you know, you kind of discuss the journey from getting started with a simple budget to an emergency fund to actually selecting, you know, certain asset classes and investments. You talked about the alternative space you're in at the moment. So can you tell me maybe a little bit more about what's behind the wealth society and wealthy mindset and maybe kind of how the Gen Z community can use that as, as a structure to implement uh, as they start their investing journey? Yeah, so I just think that um, it's funny. I, now that I live on the East Coast in New York and I used to live on the West Coast, in Vancouver and in LA. And I always say to people now, I have the West Coast vibe with the East Coast drive. So <laughs> not, that, not that everyone on the West Coast just chills out and right. does nothing. Um, so they, they might not like that terminology as much as the New Yorkers. But I really have sort of a foundation of like wellness and being active and having good nutrition, sleeping, sleeping well, minimum seven hours a night. Like there's so many... Right financial stresses and issues that come with your lack of sleep and lack of nutrition and proper movement and, and all those things. So from a foundation of my personal life and growing up as an athlete, um, my, my centering myself around the wellness aspects have always been there. And it's, it is just a little bit more of the lifestyle living on the West coast rather than in New York city. And some of the, some of the places in the, some of the cities on the East coast. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just think that having those, the wellness mixed with the wealth is the best way to go. Because a lot of the time when you improve yourself and your wellness aspects, like those movement mindset, it leads to money. If you're right. take care of your, taking care of your brain and taking care of your lifestyle, that's going to enable you to make better financial decisions. You're going to be more motivated to ask for a raise, be more motivated to apply to 10 jobs you think that you might not even qualify for and right. follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up, have the drive to keep following up until a door opens. And that's literally what I did my entire 20s. Like I've said, I doubled my income four times in my 20s, doubled, not just a 20% raise, doubled my income right. four times in my 20s with no Ivy League education, like no, no better education than the average person, just a better hustle and a polite persistence. I call myself the queen of polite persistence um, because to be a hustler or hustler mentality or whatever, right. like the things you see on Instagram, um, I definitely have a hustler mentality, but I'm not like hardcore. I'm a politely persistent person that follows up four times until you get an interview <laughs> um, at appropriate times. You know, don't follow up with people on a Monday morning. 
that type of thing. Like, cause then you're being annoying. You're not their top priority. And if you're jumping in the inbox on Monday morning or pretty much Monday at all, you shouldn't do it. Like you just got to be smart about the way you do it. So I like wealthy and the wealth society because it's other young people like me and younger or older <laughs> that really emphasize and really see value in like having that wellness aspect of your life and knowing that doing those good things for yourself and your soul and your mind and your body is really going to help your finances and your financial wealth as well. So that's why I sort of came up with hashtag wealthy. Let's do all the things. Let's do all the things to help us better our lives because everything is affected by the money part, but everything is also affected by the wellness part. So it's all important. No, I, I totally agree. It's a it's a full holistic plan, and you know the the old adage of um, look good, feel good, play good, or work hard, play hard, um, definitely resonates here. And I'm hopeful that hopefully the the community and the audience can take away a few of those points you mentioned. You know, all the way through from sleep to using your initiative. You know, mm-hmm. to that to the to the um, persistence part of things, and and the Monday follow up. Great point. I work in the finance industry too, and you're going to get lost in the inbox on, on a Monday. Yeah. Sorry to say, and even Fridays. You know, a lot of the a lot of the guys are down by the shore uh, by Friday afternoon. So um, yeah, and then they forget about you by Monday. So right, Tuesday Tuesday to Thursday is the best window for anyone in their twenties or anyone that's in like a sales and relationships role. Right. Stay, stay away from bothering people on Fridays and Mondays because generally when you're in a sales role or just any career when you're in your 20s, so you're younger and newer mm-hmm. in the industry, you are not anyone's priority. And that's that's right. not a, a negative thing. It's just, that's just the reality of it. You're not. Um, even the jobs that I do now, I'm out there hustling with investors and allocators and stuff. I'm not there. I'm not their priority. I stick to Tuesday to Thursday. Um, and if you're really efficient with your time Tuesday to Thursday, that's actually kind of easier for you because then it can lighten your own brain load a little bit on Mondays and Fridays right. and catch up on the other things, right? Right. No, I agree. And yeah, the, building that well society and the mindset is important to put a stamp on it, you know, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can definitely push yourself to, to that extent. And I know I appreciate you delving into that. It's great, great insights. So um, I'll, we don't give out specific financial advice on the podcast uh, or mention kind of specific stocks, but um, we kind of encourage Gen Z, you know, the community and um, this age group all the way from, you know, 10 years old to 25, uh, myself, you know, create an emergency fund, pay off the high interest debt. Um, kind of get a solid savings platform built up um, and yeah and implement some of the things you talked about outside of, of money management um, so maybe once ev- they've kind of done that what are maybe some principles that they can implement to be uh, better investments maybe on the money side of things mm-hmm. so often I mean do you want to just talk about like should we talk about how people should jump into it or sure yeah so I mean we could talk about I think obviously making a journal um and and following all the kind of investments you've done over time um and then diversifying a little bit your your portfolio if you want to make sure that you're hitting all the bases from different sectors to even different countries um you know and and different uh yeah different businesses so yeah maybe something like that would you expand on so what i think is really nice about where we are in the investment space right now for Gen Zers or millennials is that we have more access to be able to invest for free or for very cheaply, like so easily. And they've, with the technology of all these different platforms for investing and trading, they've made it 
so easy, like in terms of the user friendliness, like I remember I used to, when I was 21, like 13 years ago, I used to have to go to like on TD Waterhouse or Ameritrade platform. And it looked like it was something you've seen in like a 1990s or 80s like movie where it's like everything looks like coding and like it was it was totally unuser friendly and very complicated of how to even enter an order for a stock um and you would pay commission on that like I even when I was 21 13 years ago not that long ago I was paying like $52 to, crazy to every time I had to buy or sell something through TD now <laughs> TD and TD Ameritrade everything's free fidelity E-Trade, Robinhood, like all these platforms are free to buy and sell for the most part, free to buy and sell stocks and ETFs. ETFs, exchange traded funds mm-hmm. are like online traded mutual funds, which a lot of people have heard of mutual funds because of their their retirement plan programs at work. And they've heard their parents talking about them because most of the baby boomers and a lot of our parents, right. their retirement money is in mutual funds. So an exchange traded fund, an ETF is basically just like, a very cheap, almost freely managed mutual fund that you can buy and sell on your own through one of those types of platforms and accounts. So what I like about the ability for it to be free or cheap, no account balance minimums. Some of them have like maybe a thousand dollar minimum, but it just depends. You just have to look when you're signing up for one and what if to make sure it does or doesn't have a account balance minimum for your investments. And then with these ETFs, what you were talking about in the question, like with getting diversification, it makes it so much easier. So obviously all of us are gonna have different investing wants and needs. Some of us are gonna be, you know, especially getting started, you might be like way too scared to invest outside of the US or whatever your home country is. So there's something called home country bias where people are often very familiar with, you know, the US, if you're from there, I was born in Canada. I was really familiar with a lot of the big Canadian companies. If you're born in the UK, you're going to be familiar with National Grid and like a lot of big UK (laughs) companies. So to avoid having home country bias, meaning like you end up just by nature of where you are only investing in, in companies in your own country through individual stocks, when you have ETFs and exchange traded fund, that's a basket of a whole bunch of different companies that you're investing in in one ETF fund. So you can buy an emerging markets one. You can buy a Europe one that covers the Europe index. You can buy one that covers the S&P 500, which is the US index. You can buy one that covers the TSX, the Toronto Stock Exchange, which is the Canadian index. Um, And so you can buy these funds that geographically cover your investments across all over the place. Now, I'm not going to give any specific tickers, but like this, this, and then this is where it gets a little bit tricky is people are like, okay, well, I heard you say that. Yes, I shouldn't just be home country biased and have all my money in the United States or wherever you are. But like, which things do I buy? Like, what's the ticker symbol? And you're going to, you're going to be pretty hard pressed to have any, someone like me come on a podcast and tell you these tickers are great because we're legally not allowed to do that. But it's really simple Google searches. Here's the Google search. Best geographically diversified ETFs. Google it. Right. (laughs) Your home country, your home country explorer, if you're in Canada, it's going to give you some Canadian articles with bloggers and investors that say, okay, if you're a Canadian, here's some other regions you should be investing in. Here's the best tickers for those different areas, best funds for those areas. Right. So, it, and then, you know, if you're searching it from US's Google and Google knows you're in New York City like I am, it's going to say, hey, 
You're American. So to avoid your home country bias of only investing in American funds and companies, here are some ideas for around the world. And here are the names of the funds and their tickers. So it's really, really easy research that you can do on your own. But it's, you know, it is another step you have to take to be able to figure out what exactly to put your money in once you fund your investing account. So that's, you know, a geographical way to diversify yourself very easily. And it's the same thing with the types of companies or industries you're investing in. You can find a tech China ETF if you want, so that you're investing in technology and in China. You can find a luxury fund that only invests in like Louis Vuitton and a bunch of different public companies that are in the luxury goods space. You can find ones that invest in animals and animal care, PETS. I'm not, I'm not suggesting it. I'm just saying that's, that's why that's an ETF. PETS is the ticker. And it's a, a fund that invests in like the welfare and public companies that are investing in animals and animal care, pet care. So there's all these different geographical and sectoral ETFs that I think are so cool that really just became crazy popular in the last six years or so. They've been around for 20 years, but they weren't like mainstream until the advent of commissions coming down. And that's what's been so great. And then, you know, with respect to an investing journal, every time you're looking up research, like, Here's mine right on my desk. Oh, nice. A there black you go. notebook that I write in every single thing that I'm like researching. And then I have a specific um, area of the book that I just write down like buys and sells or like why and then buy when I bought it, how much I bought it for, like what the, the share price of the ETF or the share price of the, the company was if you're buying individual companies and write down the most important part. Why? Right. Why? Why did you guys? Because even you know, even me, I didn't always do this. But now I look back, I'm like, why did I buy Coca Cola like four years ago? I don't. I don't <laughs> it's, great, it's great accountability, you know. Then yeah. you can kind of look back and understand why you did it. Maybe the mood you were in at the time, what you were, you know, eating, drinking. Even and it goes back to the wealthy mindset, you know, and that's why you want to stay in the in the same lane. Um, and yeah. make sure you're on top of things there. So, um, no, the accountability is great with the journal. And I think you're right. It's not an, it's not really any easier time to get started than now, you know, with the, the free commissions and all these sites from TD, Robinhood, Schwab. And that's what I try and tell the audience, you know, through social media and the, and the podcast is, you know, get started. But it's the intimidating factors, you know, the markets and, and losing money um, that people are worried about. So that's what we're trying to urge people to get on board with and do. And, and I think it's the great, you made a great point that you can get started and really focus on what you're interested in, what you're passionate about. You know, if you're getting started and you're really into, like you say, animals, you can buy at the pet CTF, for example. And, it, and it's something that you, you believe in and, and, and you, you, won't, might, you might not be as tied to the price or the movement of it uh, as you would be if it was something that you don't really know about. I think that's uh, such a good way to get started. Like, and sorry to interrupt. I was going to say like my mom, 10 years ago, she used to ask me like, how do you, cause she, she was a teacher, a grade one teacher. She had like a retirement plan through like the teacher's pension or whatever, but Mm -hmm. she wanted to like invest a little bit more because she had extra savings at the end of the month. She just didn't want to leave it in cash. So she knew she could make more money putting it in the stock market somehow, but she just didn't really know what that would look like for her. So I said, well, mom, you love shopping. Like you like to go to like TJ Maxx and like Marshall's and like find the deals. Like she's a real deal hunter. It's where I learned my frugality from my mom (laughs) and my grandma because they would be like hunting the sales of these like TJ Maxx and stuff when I was a kid. 
And so I'm like, you know, that's a public company. It's like, it's like the TJX brand, like a group of companies and, um, and they're publicly traded. And she's like, you know, and I'd be like, okay, but do you really think they have good customer service? Do you, or is it always busy when you're there? Are they making good sales? Let's Google it and like, look at some of the recent news reports. And then they were at, like, we would look at that. And then they would say, yeah, actually the, the online sales are up, but the in-store sales are down and blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, oh yeah, I guess. Right. Maybe maybe it's not as busy there now because everyone's online shopping. And I'm like, yeah, so maybe it's not something that great to invest in. But then that it kind of just gets the wheels turning for people that exactly. maybe weren't otherwise interested. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you're someone watching this right now and, you know, you go through your day and every little thing that you do or you use is predominantly coming from a publicly traded company. You know, you pick up your iPhone, the Apple, you go on to Pinterest, yeah. and then you go on to I mean, Amazon. Most people don't even you know? think about it that way until right. you actually start thinking about it. Like, right. And you get in your Tesla, every, you go to Starbucks. Here, you guys can right? buy the Hero, H-E-R-O, or any right. other of the gaming, the gaming ETFs, and you're probably going to be winning because you know which you know right. which of those companies has the best games coming out and new releases, and you might have a jump on the insights from like people like me that are not gamers. So exactly. that's why exactly. that's also why it's good to to invest in what you know at the beginning because it's more fun. You're going to be more into following up on it and like staying in touch with the news of the things you're invested in. And yeah, you kind of have a jump on a lot of other people that maybe don't know about that industry. Exactly, exactly. So um, I'm going to pivot a little bit here now uh, and mention how much of an advocate and role model you are for many women in the finance industry. I'm happy to say things have improved a little bit since you began your career. I think uh, but we only have 20% of leadership roles within the financial services industry occupied by women. So I'd like to ask you, what do you think has to change for that number to increase? And maybe how can we have an impact to maybe move the needle? To be honest, I actually thought when I read that on your question sheet, I thought that was pretty high. Um, because in my world... And this is also specifically because I am in hedge funds, private equity, right. which is, I would say, extremely male-dominated. Like in financial services, I, I would assume that includes retail banking, so like consumer banking um, and things like that as well, which likely has more women in it than um, the alternatives like black box, right. hedge funds, like big money space. Um, although I have definitely seen significant, I just had a Zoom with a hedge fund manager, a female um, in London just before nice. this. And she's a, she's boss. She's turning 50 this year. She's been in hedge funds for 20, 25 years. And um, her and I were both just saying in the last 10 years, there are a lot more women in the industry. And a huge part of why there's been a lot more women in the industry is just, I think the Me Too movement happened about five years ago now. Since Me Too, um, and that wasn't really something I was involved in at all. I kind of vaguely followed it, but that really opened doors for a lot of women. There was also things like how California now, all public companies um, in California and all California boards have to have at least one female senior executive on them. So there's different states and different movements that um, in the last 10 years have really brought the, the, the power of female leadership to light and the fact that companies actually perform better with female leaders and female executives. So um, I think just a lot of the publicity around mm -hmm. the fact that having women and more diversity on boards and in corporate seats 
um, in the C-suite level. So CEO, CIO, CMOs, like having more women in those roles actually helps companies and funds perform better. Um, the numbers don't lie. The right. performance doesn't lie. So I think that's been really helpful. But we only got to that place of even looking at those statistics because of some of these public movements like Me Too. So I think more of that, like just bringing more light to the fact that having women um, as leaders is not just a should do thing. Yeah, we should have another woman because that's what everybody's doing. It's like a, a numbers thing. Like, hey, bro, your company does better when I'm around. So exactly no i i Pay totally agree <laughs> i know no, i i know i totally agree Pay me more and hire my girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> no there we go and, and for people yeah you can actually now invest in, in some of these things you know i think it's uh that there's kind of etfs and investment vehicles that focus on companies that are predominantly run by women in the c-suite space so it's really good that if you're passionate about that like we said earlier uh, mm -hmm. and you want a piece of the pie you can do that so um, i want to be respectful of the time i know we've only got a few minutes left so um we like to kind of do things uh, learn kind of through doing so i don't know i'd like to ask maybe where you go to stay up to date on the latest kind of news and in the market maybe some resources that uh, the gen z kind of audience can check out maybe a podcast or a newsletter that you might recommend so i have been looking at the website and i still use it all the time investopedia for decades. So Investopedia has had the same editor-in-chief, Caleb Silver, who's a personal and business friend of mine. He lives here in New York City. Um, he has been in that role at Investopedia.com, which is the best resource for like video explainers, cartoon explainers, definitions of things used in a sentence. Here's an example of it. Here's a calculation of it. Like of all things finance, money, investing, anything related, debt, credit cards, mortgages, whatever, all of it is on investopedia.com. Caleb, who's my friend, has been the, the uh, chief editor there mm -hmm. since like 1980-something. Um, so he's such a vet in the industry. And they just, Investopedia just started a weekly podcast that he hosts. Oh, nice. called, it's really good called the Investopedia Express. It's on, it's on every Monday. Um, so they just published a new one yesterday and it's only 20 to 30 minutes. And I listen nice. to all my podcasts a time and a half. So for someone that's like just getting into the investing space, rather than, I mean, I did this because there was no podcast when I was 21 or like when I was just getting into it, rather than watching CNBC or Bloomberg all day and getting really confused by a lot of the daily movements, which are so up and down and the daily vocabulary on the the market's television, which is a lot to consume all at one time, especially if you're not like hugely interested in it as your entire career, you just want to learn how to invest. It's a lot of information. So this podcast, 20 to 30 minutes, listen to it on time and a half um, every Love Monday it. or once a week. That's a great weekly way of just as an adult to know what's going on in the world. Because I'm not going to just say like the stock market was up, the stock market was down. <laughs> They go over like geopolitical, which is like, which means like you often will hear that term on, uh, on television is geopolitical issues. Um, geopolitical issues means political and economic issues around the world that affect your investments and different stock markets around the world. So right. this, you know, the Investopedia Express, they'll talk about like, yeah, different issues happening around the world with oil prices or with. China technology and their government there, but it'll also talk about like some of the big themes going on in the United States right now, or big themes going on in investing around the world. So it's just a good weekly, very quick way to stay up to date 
on current events, what's happening in the world, and it'll give you some investing ideas as well. No, for sure. No, I love Caleb. I listen to him on the on the Compound and Friends. We uh, we shout out those guys there, Josh Brown and Michael oh, yeah, Batnick. Sorry. I should there. also, of course, talk about Josh. Yeah, you, you got to make sure you got to <laughs> throw him in there. You know, yeah. <laughs> so you know those I guys doing great call things. With someone from their team right after this one. Nice. <laughs> nice, nice, good. And um, no, no, I think, I think that's great. I think Caleb said there's over 200,000, you know, definitions and breakdowns of concepts on there. So if you want to wet your feet, you know, and, and get involved and, and log on the site and listen to the podcast, as Liana said, um, that'd be great. But no, th- thanks so much for coming on, Gen Z and friends. Uh, you really are a role model for, for our kind of community uh, and the millennials. So we appreciate you telling your story and giving out some great advice. I've got to mention yet yeah, the book, Young, Fun and Financially Free. The, all the money generated is donated to the WE charity, which helps out individuals in third world countries with you know, basic financial literacy. Um, so, li- so listeners can grab a copy on Amazon. And then finally, where can they go to find a little bit more about you, your thoughts and, and opinions? So I am probably most active on Instagram. So at Liana, L-E-A-N-N-A underscore Hawk, H-A-W-K, because they call me the little hawk since <laughs> I was 19 doing investor relations, hustling the boys in the industry, taking them out for lunch and coffee. That's the other thing too, is if you want to, if you want to learn anything about investing or, or in your own industry, whatever you're doing, be the young person that goes out there and asks people to lunch and coffee, be the person that sneaks in your credit card or your debit card and pays for it. Don't let other people take you out for lunch unless for some reason you cannot get away from it. Show them that you value their time and a $4 coffee or a latte is a great way to do that. And I promise you those senior people that you're asking for their time to mentor you will remember that you paid for the coffee and you wouldn't let them pay because you value their time. And those same relationships 15 years later, I'm still working with those same, mostly men, but there are more women now as well. But Yeah. Value people's time and knock on doors. I guarantee you with the right approach, you will have so many people willing to teach you, help you, give you a leg up in your industry. It's, it's vital. I, the dedication of my book is dedicated to all the people I ever took out to lunch and coffee whenever I was in their town. Amazing. No, I think that's really important. Get yourself a mentor. Um, you know, and it's funny you said that because the only jobs I've ever got is actually walking in with my resume and cold walking the company, you know, in my <laughs> career. So uh, it yep. just goes to show how far a little bit of initiative, you know, and, and willingness c- can get you. So um, like I say, thanks again for coming on. Uh, appreciate your time. Um, and hopefully maybe we could do this again some sometime. Absolutely. Anytime, Ben. All right. Thanks very much, Liana. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more content, you can visit www.bensballsandbears.com or search Ben's Balls and Bears on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. And finally, if you found any value in today's conversation and think a family member or friend would enjoy listening, please share and drop us a quick rating. It goes a long way as we continue to grow Gen Z and friends.